so many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. of the box. Meet people through their music with Ash Bertabez on FBI. You've probably had an excellent morning with Alex Pye. Last track she left you with was by Leftfield called Universal Everything. And if you want to find out any of the other tracks that were played over the previous three hours, Alex Pye's show page will have all of the deets for you. She very diligently uploads every single song that she plays on that show. And today, my guest now of the box, I'm very excited about. Have you ever wanted to know how porn impacts the brain? How, you know, the science behind why people believe in God or whether or not race really exists? If so, my guest today has you totally covered. She's a science journalist heard on Radio National, Triple J, ABC Radio, and right here at FBI. She's written tons of articles for New Scientist in the Saturday paper and has worked on Catalyst, The Checkout, and The Project, and the list could go on. But I hear that lists don't make good radio, and my guest today knows a thing or two about good radio. So, in fact, her, new, her brand new podcast has actually spent some time the top spot as the most downloaded podcast in Australia. Wendy Zuckerman, welcome. Thanks for having me. How exciting. So, you know, you've been making a podcast called Science Versus for just over a month now. Yeah, it, uh, I think it launched, we we dropped, dropped, can you drop a science podcast? I want to do that. I <laughs> yeah. want to. Uh, we dropped our fourth episode uh, this week, so that means it's been there for a month and it's pretty much been on number one in Australia for a month. It's uh, It was absolutely astonishing. We could not believe how many people... Uh, liked it and are interested in science. It's really exciting. (laughs) Actually, uh, I I would like to get a bit of a feel about what the kind of songs we're going to be hearing through the next hour because when I was uh, trawling the old Twitter, a guy called Daniel Schmidt said... I'm starting to think at Wendy Zook, which is your Twitter handle. I'm starting to think Wendy Zook secretly wanted to start a music podcast, but decided her taste was too in music was too crap. Thank God we got hashtag science versus. This, I, I, I'm quite sure this tweet came off the back of the most recent episode, which is about sugar. And in it, uh, we have a song by Bread, because if you <laughs> break down bread, you get starch and then you get glucose, which is a sugar. Yeah. And it was the most glaring, get it, moment I've ever heard in a podcast. <laughs> and Aubrey by Bread is such a beautiful song, can I say? <laughs> I highly recommend. It's not on today's show because it's. I think it's a new favourite on on the list. So, so do we have a quite quite a big variety today? Do you reckon? I think so. Uh, within the category of dag, you've got uh, lots of shades of of dag. Maximum dag, minimum dag, casual dag, formal dag. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to start with a bit of dag from New Radicals off the album. I am happy. It's called "You Get What You Give." Now, why did you want to bring on this song? This song is uh, really important to me. I don't remember the first time I heard it, but it is one of those songs that it doesn't matter how down I am, whatever is going on in my life, you, I hear it and I and I love it. And the last time I heard it was at Good God, uh, which is a, a nightclub, really recently. And my sister was up, she was living in Sydney for a little while and now she's moved back home to Melbourne. And we heard this song and we were kind of really tired and I just went, Debbie, 
we got to dance. And she was like, yes, we have to dance. And we just went nuts. And it was amazing. And I love it. On FBI 94.5, my guest on Out of the Box today is the lovely Wendy Zuckerman.
on FBI 94.5. Not the kind of thing you'd expect to hear on the radio station in general, but on this show, definitely going all the way back into the memories with New Radicals, who we didn't actually know who that song was by. Took a bit of figuring out. We had to Google the lyrics. Who did you think it was by originally, Wendy? Oh, this really betrays my... I, I Music means a lot to, like, my gut, but my head has no space. I, if you ask me <laughs> what album things came from. So I said, R.E.M.? <coughs> and then my, my producer for today, Ali Costa, was like, yeah, totally, it's by Robbie Williams, I think it was. Yeah, I don't want I don't want that to be but but it just it just it kicks me in the guts and I I love that song but it's I had no idea what it was called and who it was by. Total that's banger. So that's New Radicals. So noted. Noted. <laughs> we talked a bit about, you know, the many varied places you've brought science to the masses. And uh, I guess the most important one of those is definitely your work doing Up and Atom on FBI radio in the mornings with Georgia Hitch and before that and before that. Yeah, yeah. We've been yeah. doing this for quite a while. It's How a, long? Maybe four years. I think it's. I moved to Sydney around four years ago and pretty much started within a couple of months. So yeah, it's been it's been a long ride. And when I started, I was a new scientist and then moved to the ABC. So it's been kind of through it all. Yeah, we've been your consistency. Exactly. <laughs> it's been nice. It's a, such an amazing family, the FBI family. But you're kind of maybe walking a little bit away from the family. I, I how, what's a nice way to put it? You've got you're too busy to, <laughs> that's, that's to manage not, the mornings. That's not that's not a nice way to put it. But I, I am moving on. So after after four and a half years, let's say, I'm uh, giving the baton to another amazing science communicator, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, and we'll we'll keep that a secret until is it Tuesday the thirtieth that you're going to be passing on the baton? Yes, yes, and she's absolutely wonderful, and I'm really excited just to have more chicks talking about science. So I think it's 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 about time. Totally. You know, you started you started up and Adam exactly five years ago, March 2010. No way. Uh, think about where you were in March 2010, and uh, we actually uh, know some ideas that you had for the name of the show because you thought that. <laughs> Up and Atom was betraying, was, was it Radio Man or whatever? <laughs> From The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, gosh, oh, what did I what did I suggest? Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay, such such corker titles as <laughs> The Neuron Transfer, <laughs> Science Gate, <laughs> Your Morning Stimulant. I didn't, I didn't I, The Morning Stimulant? I'm, I'm not even done yet. <laughs> oh, no. Electric Current News, Electric Current Affairs. I really like that current. <laughs> iScience 2.0 is also a little bit a little bit snazzy. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. So uh, what do you think about your choice with Up and Atom? Do you think that was a I think uh, good Carolyn Gates uh, chose wisely. That sounds good. And you know what? It's it's nice because you, five years you grow and then you come up with the giant name of Science Versus. So look, <laughs> look where we are now. Some, Some things so never change. And your first story, do you remember what your first story on, on FBI was? No. It was about bee sperm. I was going to say, I bet it was something about insects and sex. Insects. <laughs> insects, sex. Insects, sex, yeah. yeah. I've, through the years, it's been a, a key feature of, of my work that I bring to FBI. <laughs> it's just such a fascinating world. Yeah. Do, do you actually sex. remember the, the story, you know, the, the, the science behind bee sperm, in that it actually can attack other sperm and 
Okay. No, I don't. But but funnily enough, because I recently <laughs> wrote about insect sex for the Saturday paper and what we can learn ab- about it, I don't even think I realised how far my obsession went until just now, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, I love this line, though, from the you, – you wrote about this exact story about um, bee sperm. Some female insects, such as honeybees and leafcutter ants, have sex on only one day in their life. But what a day! <laughs> They mate with multiple males and store enough sperm to fertilise eggs throughout their lives. <laughs> so is this interest in sex actually pervading your, your scientific interest as well? Do you think that's like a big theme for you throughout your uh, your scientific communication uh, career? I, I think it's just such an easy way to get people interested in science. You, you talk about rocks and geology and it's it's really interesting when you think about it. It's what we're standing on. It what, It's what makes this earth what it is. But... You want to get people interested in science, you talk about sex. And the weirdest ways that they do it, the better. So I think it's it's probably just a little, uh, you just lean on that and, and you can just have fun. And, and plus, it's just inherently interesting. Yeah. What, are these, what are these bugs and insects doing? It's crazy. And what are these humans doing? I mean, there's a, there's a story that you've got coming up for Science Versus, which I heartily encourage anyone listening who hasn't already subscribed and to definitely subscribe to. Uh, and what is what is the idea behind this episode that's coming out in a couple of weeks? Yeah, so episode six of Science Versus is Science Versus Pornography and it's looking at all of those things that people say that porn is addictive, that it's ruining our sex lives, that it's ruining our sex culture. So we're kind of looking at the science behind that and... Uh, admittedly, I don't. I don't watch a lot of porn. I don't really watch any porn. It just doesn't. It's I, I, for no reason other than it doesn't turn me on. And then we should we trust you to report on this? Well, so <laughs> as part of my research, I started watching porn and invited some people to come with me. So last, not come with me. Yeah, they, I just they, I, that you did that. <laughs> You dirty, dirty girl. They arrived at my house on Sunday morning, didn't go to church. Lucky for me, they were ready to put themselves on the line for science. So we had some croissants, some tea, and we watched all sorts of porn. Porn brunch is a great idea. I think so. I think it was wonderful. Uh, some of the porn was wonderful. Some of it was was problematic and and quite horrifying. But uh, but a lot of it was I, I think quite hopeful, which was nice to see. I like the lengths you go to, though. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you what you did, like in terms of you just sat there on a couch watching porn. What were you trying to test for? I, what were you trying to understand? I guess I wanted to see how people responded to it and so it was uh, me Hannah Riley who's a, also From an Girls FBI goer yep. um and 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 Brad Martin and I just wanted to see how people interact with it because everyone's sexuality is so different and what turns people on is so different so it's and I think a lot of the porn debate gets kind of wrapped up in someone's disgust for a particular kind of sexual act and then they say oh this is horrible that people are watching this no one should get turned on by this but of course people get turned on by all sorts of things so I just wanted to kind of gauge okay well it doesn't turn me on what about other people how are other people responding to this what is other people's relationship with pornography do they know it's real or do they do they know it's fake do, what do they when they see that woman's face and, and often that's what pornography is criticized for because a, a woman is being often used in a particular way that that can be criticized yeah and then this this question of do, do you think she's turned on in that that position so lots of questions was what I wanted to explore I love that um I think I think it was an Amy Schumer thing where it's kind of like I'm, I'm worried that um I'm going to become attracted to men without faces through watching <laughs> porn <laughs> 
<laughs> so we've got a sexy song just rising in the background here. It's D'Angelo. So what do you what do you feel about D'Angelo and why did you want to pick Really Love? Uh, this song is actually to, to pivot completely. Uh, when uh, over the, the end of last year was a pretty tricky time for me. Uh, some, some yucky stuff kind of happened and I went to Europe to get away from it all and I saw, um, I hung out with my brother there and his girlfriend and D'Angelo had just released this album and... Uh, Black one, Messiah. Yeah. And, which is an amazing album and one of uh, the, the family members of, of my brother's uh, of my brother's girlfriend who we were staying with in Amsterdam introduced the family to this song and to this album and we just listened to it pretty much for a week and I know it's a, it's a super sexy song but for me it just means family and getting stuff together. <laughs> and it's a really strange correlation there. <laughs> I know but I... That's what I think. I think about that time that I was in Amsterdam and looking at Rembrandt, and it's uh, it just makes me think. <laughs> With about this that. in the background, yeah. <laughs> sexy Rembrandt. <laughs>
Meet people through their music. Out of the box.
Maybe there's a God above But all I've ever learned from love Was how to shoot somebody And it's not a cry that you hear at night It's not somebody who's seen the light It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah 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 On FBI 94.5, that was Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. And it was brought in by my guest today, Wendy Zuckerman. Two sexy bangers in a row. That's me. Yeah, that's That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That song is... That that was the first song that I heard and thought and remember thinking, ooh, sex. That's... (laughs) To me, it's just... It's like so sexy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just I didn't think I'd ever had those feelings before until I heard that song. And I was just like, oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> we were talking in the mic break before about, you know, porn and, and sex a little bit. But I guess Hallelujah kind of brings in that, you know, sex and religious overtones as well. Well, to me, it never felt religious, although the, the phrase Hallelujah is obviously religious. To me, it was mm. just obviously such a, a song about the, the joys of sex. But I was once at my friend who's quite religious, uh, she's Christian, and I was once at her Carols by Candlelight. Mm-hmm. And there was this big Carols by Candlelight in this big farm almost. I, I think maybe 500 people and this little family, I think it was very sort of clean-cut looking family, just started singing this song in front of all these people. And the lyrics are, and when I moved in you, the Holy Lord was moving too. <laughs> and this was my sex song and uh, in front of all of these very religious, very conservative people. And I just remembered looking around thinking, do you guys know what you were singing about? <laughs> this is not hallelujah. This is hallelujah. <laughs> But they obviously had a different interpretation. They did. They did, just as I had reclaimed it for myself. So I guess, is it still your sexy song? Has it survived this experience? I I think so, yes. yes. Having ages. Absolutely. (laughs) The the power is is stronger than uh, Carols by Candlelight. So I guess, you know, Wendy Zuckerman, you are the creator of Australia's most popular podcast. And uh, you've been a science communicator for quite a while now. And I kind of want to talk to you a bit about, like, 
as a science communicator, I think a lot of the time what you say is essentially you seem, seems to be up for grabs by the general public because it's science and people want to be involved in the debate and they think they know better than scientists a lot of the time. So what, what, what was your most controversial story over the, over the past few years in your science communications? I think my most the most controversial story would have been one of the first that I ever wrote and it was for The Australian and I was still at university at the time and I was asked to write a piece about circumcision and the science of circumcision. So whether uh, whether it helps reduce sexually transmitted diseases when you have sex with, uh, with, some, with an individual and yes it does. The science is very strong whether it's HIV, uh, a whole range of STDs, you, you reduce the chance of passing that on to your partner if you are circumcised for, for a range of reasons. So I I wrote this very what I thought was a robust evidence-based piece and I, I just didn't think about the consequences I suppose I didn't realize how much guys love their foreskin or a, a, a group of guys <laughs> I, I didn't think about it at all and lo and behold came the emails and and people were picking apart my last name and saying oh it's because you're Jewish which was a completely I, I'm an I'm an atheist. My my family is Jewish by sort of by by growing up. I mean, I think if your parents are Jewish, you just are whether what you believe in or not, because of, of the cultural situation surrounding that. And it was just the first time that I thought, oh goodness, my my name and my gender and well the group that I'm in, this is going to affect the way that I write, and I have to be so careful about this. It's- so, do you think that the lovers of the foreskin that were writing into you were anti-Semitic in any way? Is that is that part of it? I. I I think they they thought that I was pushing a pro circumcision agenda because of my religion, and it meant that it made it more difficult for me to write on that topic. and And I think it was it was a really clear lesson in the way that I portray myself in the public. So whether it is on Twitter, at the time there was no Twitter, um, but but just being really careful about showing who you are and anything personal about your life because people will take that and they will say, you're cherry-picking the data no matter how hard you try not to because you have a political agenda here. Absolutely. It's a, it's a bit of a case of ad hominem as well as you found out this morning when you saw that you were featured on 4chan thread tackling your new podcast science versus but not really tackling the podcast tackling you (laughs) when you asked me you said have you ever uh, googled yourself and appeared on 4chan i I just want i didn't want to tell you just in case it was going to stress you out before the show in case you were like oh my gosh no i'm awful but i just associate because i don't go on 4chan unless of course i'm trying to look at for celebrity tits so (laughs) as soon as you said that i thought naked photos of me online how is that possible (laughs) i didn't i didn't consider that there were a bunch of uh critiquers can we call them that i guess had not really i don't think i don't think it was a critique i mean what i'll just quickly uh scroll through and see if i can find (laughs) so this is it was mainly targeting our episode two which was the science of race and arguing that race from a scientific perspective, doesn't exist. Yeah, and and someone posted a photo of you, a, a little screen grab. Here's the host, they say. And Anonymous replied, race mixed, Abbo. And uh, Anonymous then said, she's a Jew. And then another Anonymous, because they are all Anonymous in this thing, is like everyone's basically just picking- racing you up, like just tearing you apart and like being incredibly racist. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a nice clean shot of my nose in there if you're for yeah. the visual effect. And anonymous th- says the nose nose. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're funny about it, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, but 
I, I mean, if they'd listen to the podcast, I say that I have a Jewish background. So yeah. it really just goes to show all these people criticising and they're not listening to the science. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure it's whatever. It, I mean, it's, it's funny because when you showed it to me, my first response, because I think the first criticism maybe felt like it might have been valid before I knew what they were getting at. And you thought, oh, no, I've, I've totally balled up this science have I, have I got the science wrong? That's right. You try so hard. You read all the papers. You talk to the – you really try hard to get the facts right. And then someone just writes to you and goes, oh, well, how did you not know that race does exist? And you go, does it? Wait, is, is all my research wrong? Uh, oh, wait a sec. No, no, no. You just haven't sort of tried to put aside all of your agenda and think about the science from mm. a, as objective perspective as possible. I guess being so ready to be wrong, though, actually makes you a good science journalist. Sort of being so prepared to look at what you've written and, and look at all the research and say, no, maybe I've got it wrong. I think you, I think you have to be, and you're you're going from a much safer place. If the goal is I want to get the facts right and deliver them to the audience, rather than the goal being I want to be amazing, <laughs> that when you sort of then that's your end goal, then all this stuff becomes quite easy, and you just think, oh, I need to get it right. Wondrous. You definitely uh, get science versus on your podcast app. Just. Google or, you know, search Science Versus in whatever podcast app you've got. Subscribe and you'll be getting some really great stories and uh, episodes over the next couple of weeks. And now we've got time for a track by The Clash. Which one do we have? This is London Calling and this comes straight out of Billy Elliot. And I think it was the first time I'd heard a song that was a little bit rebellious. Yep. And <laughs> every time I, I hear it, I just, it's just this wonderfully... Not aggressive, but just we're gonna take we're gonna take this town defiant, <laughs> wondrous on FBI ninety four point five. My guest on out of the box today is Wendy Zuckerman. My name is Ash Berdebez, and here is the clash. <laughs>
on FBI. One, two, three. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. Oh, big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. Oh, big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. I got big booty bitches, big, big booty bitches. Bitches, bitches get out. We don't want no skinny bitches. Little bitches get out. We don't want no skinny bitches. Little bitches get out. We don't want no skinny bitches. Little bitches get out. Cause we don't want no skinny bitches. I got big booty bitches. 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 Little waist. Little waist. Little waist. Little waist. Big booty bitches. Three hundred pounds. Three hundred pounds. On FBI 94.5, we have a song informed by Wendy Zuckerman's love for big booty bitches. <laughs> I'm Thank so you glad you so brought this on. Thank you so much for playing this. <laughs> I want to pretend that I gave you all these classy options and then you thought, no, we'll do this one. But actually, I didn't. I gave you very few options and this was on the list. <laughs> this is the song that my house, I moved to Sydney, as we talked about, from Melbourne about five years ago. And I... It just took me, uh, I think, a little while to like settle into Sydney and find my friends and find my people. And now I'm living in this amazing house with these amazing people. And this is the song of the house. And every time this song goes on, if you if you want to go on YouTube and just just look up "big booty bitches," you'll see the dance that this goes with. <laughs> and my house just does this dance well. So this is my song. This is my Sydney song. <laughs> I'm doing the biggest white guy overbite now. I just like realized that the whole mm, yeah, love this song face. <laughs> Billy Crystal mm-hmm. would be proud. Well, you did move to Sydney uh, around about five years ago then. Yeah, and I did time been in an awesome uh, share house for that time. And uh, you actually wrote a certain email to a certain someone that kind of quick kicked off your. Your career, in a way, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was uh, all set. I studied law um, and science at university, and I always wanted to be a science journalist. Always wanted to be a journalist, really. And but I thought, oh, that's a bit of a pie in the sky idea. And so I did law and was about to go work at one of the most corporate law firms in Melbourne and just thought, oh, I'll take the I'll take the year off and I'll try and do this science journalism thing. And I this was in Melbourne and I wrote an email to Dr. Carl and I said, 
as in the the main science uh, the, communicator in the like the the, yeah. the Dr. Carl and I wow. I introduced myself. Said, this is who I am. These are some of the articles I've written. I love what you do. I want to be a science journalist. I want to be you. How, how do how do how do I do that? And he wrote back and said, "Come up to Sydney, spend a day with me, and I'll show you around." And I could not believe it. So I took it, flew up to Sydney. And spent the day with him. He like went into Triple J, obviously not on the radio, uh, but just kind of what he walked me through it. He got me to meet some of the people at Catalyst. From that, got an internship, and then eventually it just kind of snowballed. And I got a job at New Scientist magazine and ended up moving up to Sydney because of that. And and since that time, Dr. Carl has been this amazing mentor to me. I I cannot uh, thank him enough. Uh, that I, makes sense that you're Dr. Carl's protege. <laughs> I, it's like really unpretentious communication of like important science and interesting science to Australians. That's that's your shared goal. He, he's he's absolutely amazing and he's taught me so much. Most One of the most important messages I think that he ever taught me was saying, I don't know, and I'm still kind of bad at doing that. But he is, and I think that's why people love him so much. If he doesn't know something, he says, I don't know. and Let me look into it. Let me look yeah. into it. I'll tell you something I do know, and he always knows something else that's amazing. So I, I, that, that's, that is how I became a science journalist. That's fantastic. So we got a song here by Lauren Hill, and... Uh, it's from a time where you you were overseas for a little bit and uh, just hang out with your sister, going to cool little <laughs> slam poetry nights, <laughs> as being a cool dude as you do. So tell tell us about um, your your maiden <laughs> slam poetry effort. Oh dear! Uh, so I lived in Seattle for six months while I was in Year Nine with my mum and my sister. And my sister, I was a pretty young year niner in terms of just my experiences of the world and this sort of thing. And my sister took me to this slam poetry event in near the University of Washington in Seattle. And it was in this, my memory of it is just the coolest place you could <laughs> ever imagine. It was dark, it was smoky, everyone was cool inside. In my <laughs> head, it's just the 20 Lauren Hills just sitting there slinking back and and me, little me and Debbie, just like wide-eyed. Anyway, the poetry slam begins, and it is, and it is wonderful. There's just a, a bunch of of African American kids, and they are talking about prejudice and racism, and they are amazing, and they have so much rhythm. And there was one, there was one white guy with a beret and a and this big book of terrible poetry. I remember him, but this did not dissuade me from thinking, <laughs> I can do this. With with the amazing My copious amounts of rhythm, <laughs> exactly. And I uh, was uh, into drama in high school, and we had this drama teacher who was Irish and who wrote a lot of stories about the troubles in Ireland between the Catholics and the Protestants. So I knew this monologue that he had written about the troubles in Ireland, and one of it involved a little song about the Pope having a pimple on his bum. <laughs> which I still remember to this day. And so I thought, what a wonderful idea. I will put on an Irish accent and I will do this monologue for these amazingly talented individuals. So I went up there, cocksure. <laughs> full of life experience. A, full of life experience, having never been to Ireland, having no idea if my accent was anything, was anything like anyone at all in the world. Went up there, did it. And it wasn't until I was walking down the stairs that I thought, 
<laughs> maybe there's a stage that you shouldn't just walk onto. Maybe that should happen. How does Lauren Hill feed into this? I, in my mind, this is this is who should have been on that stage. This is just the song that makes me think of that whole scene. <laughs> on FBI 94.5, Wendy Zuckerman's my guest today.
Yeah, we played Lauren Hill on FBI Radio during Out of the Box, which is what you've been listening to for the past half hour. And if you uh, go on your podcast app and Google it or, you know, search it out of the box, you can find it and uh, have it come into your little phone every week. Same as you can do that with Science Versus by Wendy Zuckerman, which is her new podcast, has maybe four or five episodes out so far and there's some corkers on the way one about porn and its effects on the brain so you should definitely get into that and yes Wendy Zuckerman is kind of uh making it making a so back away from FBI to tend to all of her other very many things and so Up and Adam is going to be handed over on the 30th on the Tuesday you're going to come in and uh introduce the new yes and she's wonderful and it's going to be I'm really excited I'm really excited about this next phase of science on FBI, but (laughs) it has been wonderful being here. It's an exciting time for everyone, and thanks so much for five years of excellent, excellent morning shows, really. And thanks so much for not choosing those names, science (laughs) current, electric current. Electric current news. Yeah, thanks for not calling the segment any of those things. Yeah, science gate, I like. It was just kind of like, we put a gate on the end, it just sounds so contemporary. And knowing me, it probably wasn't after a particular gate, I just thought a couple of steps behind what's going on. Yeah, speaking of gates, um, actually no, there's there's no segue to make here. I was just going (laughs) to, like wind gate or something, you know how Tony Abbott was saying last just last week he was launching an attack on the radio on ugly and noisy wind turbines and yes. saying that they are visually awful and you know incredibly loud and we need to see the you know do a proper inquiry into the impacts on people and I thought it would be best to refer this issue to Wendy Zuckerman <laughs> who has written an incredible article a very a very uh, lovely and gentle smackdown of the idea that wind turbines are making people sick. Take it away, Wendy. Just just <laughs> give it a bit of a wrap up. The, the argument of the that wind turbines are making people sick is that they, they say it's not the noise that you can hear, but the, the sound that you can't hear. So infrasound emanating from these wind farms apparently are causing people sick. But uh, looked into this uh, in, in a lot of depth and there is absolutely no research to suggest that infrasound can cause any kind of damage and the amount of infrasound that we are talking about is is probably about the same that you would get from being on the coastline from being at a beach because infrasound is emanating from that coastline so what's what's the idea then like if there are people who are saying i'm feeling a bit ill and now that uh, i'm living near a wind turbine what do you think's causing that report to happen? Well, the the evidence seems to be to suggest that this is caused by the nocebo effect, which is the ugly cousin of the placebo effect. So when you think something bad, that it, you worry yourself sick, ultimately. And this is a very powerful effect. So you find that medical students, for example, the sort of medical student disease is kind of what it's called in the literature, where, where students will be reading about these conditions and will think that they have them, because often the, the symptomology is incredibly vague. So when it comes to the wind, wind farm illness, you can, it can be caused, your heart rate can rise, and it can cause anxiety. You can't sleep because you think your property value is going to go down. <laughs> exactly. So all of these things, you can worry yourself into all of those states. You can make anxiety upon yourself because you see this wind farm and you think it's emanating this disease, which it's not, and you, you make yourself sick. And, and that is what seems to be causing these. And so you have mm. some really strong evidence. So in areas where there is a big anti 
wind turbine push and you have these people going into communities and saying wind turbines can make you sick then are you feeling sick are you feeling headache how is how is your stomach are you not sleeping exactly having sort of community meetings where they talk about the quote-unquote science of infrasound and then you do find complaints that rise in those areas whereas in other areas where you don't have such an anti-wind turbine push such as in tasmania and western australia we don't see these complaints and this is where we need you, Wendy Zuckerman, <laughs> to bring the truth to people in a in a palatable way and to deliver just kind smackdowns of all of the scientific bullshit that surrounds us. So definitely subscribe to Science Versus. This has been another great episode of Out of the Box. Thanks so much for coming in, Wendy Zuckerman. You've got Beth coming in in a second. Beth Dalglish with lunch, two hours of great music back to back. Thanks so much, Wendy. Thanks for having me. And this last track. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great one. <laughs> Just a happy track. This is Move On Up. Thank you.